Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, my featured guest is my good friend, Zach Elliott. He describes himself as an ordinary man who loves Jesus. But anyone who knows Zach Elliott would describe him as far from ordinary. Zach began his career with Oregon State Police as a forensics evidence technician. Then he served as a church planter and a pastor before launching V3, a ministry committed to sharing the gospel and loving the church. He is a husband, a father, a speaker, an author, a thought leader, and he's engaging the world with a powerful message of hope and restoration in Christ. What is he standing for? He's standing for unifying our broken church. He has a contagious love of life. He finds beauty in the most unlikely places and loves people with an uncommon depth of respect and honor. And I know this to be true because I'm friends with this man and this is how he shows up in his life. He's authentically who I just described. So Zach Elliott, you can find him at ZachJElliott.com. That's ZachJElliott.com. And we're going to speak to him today about the new book he just wrote. It's called Now I See, an invitation to life, to the full. We're going to get into why he wrote it, what God's been doing in his own life, and what is the benefit to you. Because you've been searching, BC Nation. You've been looking to have life to the full. A life that's powerful, extraordinary, meaningful. A life of impact. But yet you're struggling to find it. It's like grabbing at the wind. So Zach's going to speak to us what that's about, how we find it. So Zach Elliott, welcome to the show. Welcome to Broken Catholic, my friend. Go ahead and share something. Uh, fill in some gaps in that little bit of that little intro. I know we've had you on the show before, but today we're talking about your book. So share something that maybe connects the book, connects you. Give us a little snippet, uh, a snippet about you, your personal life that maybe our audience doesn't know yet. Yeah. First, good to see you. I love hanging out with you. Uh, so thanks for taking the time and sharing the time. I, I really do treasure these kind of conversations and just who you are and the work that you're doing, uh, both with BC Nation and as a coach and all the other things. Uh, you're a great friend and a good presence in the world. So thank you uh, for thank the time. You. Yeah, the book, it, it's a journey. I, 
I have to go back 14 years um, to, to really get to the heart of where the book started. Mm. Uh, I, I started writing about three years ago when I moved out to Florida, but the idea came about 14 years ago when I was sitting in a church office and I was miserable. It was a day that I wanted to quit. Uh, I hated my job. I hated the church. I, I hated the fact that I had become a pastor. I was frustrated uh, because what I was caught up in at the church was not life-giving. Um, we were, I was showing up to work, doing the thing, running programs, but this life and beauty of the gospel that, that had attracted me to mm. Jesus and ultimately led me to saying yes to becoming a pastor, mm. that was missing from my own life, from our church. And I literally went into my office, closed the door, and I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. Uh, but instead, I just kind of said that honest prayer that you say when you are at the end, and I didn't have anything else to say. And I just kind of looked up and said, God, I'm, I think I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I just, you know, in that quiet place in your mind, you hear that whisper. Mm. And I just, that day, it was as clear as a bell, the vision is Jesus. And I, it, it was one of those that stops you, you know, when you have those kind of thoughts that just make you pause and go, wait, what was that? Mm. And so I knew enough to stop and to say, okay, I'm going to listen. And I just pulled on that thread a little bit. And that's where the, that's where the idea for this book was born 14 years ago. And the last 14 years has been walking it out, chewing on it, living it out in our church with people in my own life with our kids and it finally got to the point where a friend of mine said, you need to write that down. Uh, you need to share that story. So that's what we did. Yeah, I got that. You know, in entrepreneurship, you know, I have my other show with that. And, you know, some of the best uh, inventions, the best businesses, the best products, the best services come from pain. Mm -hmm right? There's, a, there's something missing that we believe the world needs and we, want, we need to bring it to them. And that's what I'm hearing in your own story about writing this book, Zach. You're a pastor. Uh, you were kind of bought into this illusion of this is what life's going to look like, you know, as clergy, you know, being a pastor and serving God's people, being a shepherd. And then you show up and you're in it and you realize, hey, this, that's not what I'm getting. Something's missing. Like I'm managing people and programs, but I don't see this joy. I don't see what the gospel promises, what the bleep, why is that missing? And then it, it, it wrenched this, you know, heart wrenching pain within you that, you know, you had one of the most honest prayers, which is just get angry and, and honest with God. And God loves that kind of intimacy because it's real. It's true. It's pure. It's authentic. It's not polluted with fancy words or, you know, like trying to look good or avoid looking bad. It's just right to the thing. Mm -hmm. And God loves when you get right to the heart of the matter. So thank you for that. Why is now the right time for you to write this book? It's been 14 years. Why now? 2019. Yeah. I think it was this beautiful collision of, I needed to marinate for a long time. There was some work that needed to be done in me. And mm. I'm one of those people that I'm not going to say something if it's not, if I haven't walked it out and I haven't like, I'm just not confident enough to say, Oh, I had an idea at the head level. Here it is. Uh, 
I'm not just, that's just not who I am. And so it took a lot of years before I started to go, no, this is important. And not only is this important, it's been important for me, but I started to see that there were other people who were struggling with the same thing I was struggling with, frustrated with the same thing I was frustrated with. And so that started the wheels turning for maybe there is something here uh, that can be offered that can bring people, help people on their journey as well. That collided, I think, within 2019, a profound sense of loneliness and a restlessness, a loneliness that permeates our culture. And I think mm. it is so poignant. It is, it is right now our culture is struggling. You can see it in the suicide rates of men 40 to 60. You can see it in anxiety and depression in adolescence. You can see it in the numbers of people who are leaving the church. The vast majority of people who are not looking anymore to the church uh, for that, that sense of peace, that sense of wholeness, we're looking to other things. Mm. So we're just in a place in culture where despite being very well connected and very well, uh, we've got friends and connections and it seems like there's a lot of flourishing. If you go one layer under the surface, that's not true. I mean, you peel the layer back and there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness and isolation. And we all get that, that's our reality but we're not really having that conversation. And so I think now is a great moment for us to say it's okay to admit and it's okay to have that conversation. And there is hope. There's a way forward that isn't burdensome. Listen, I get that. I know BC Nation, my listener gets that, is we're trying to escape our lives. Right. And, and is it any wonder why, you know, legalization of marijuana is just becoming like epidemic? Why? Because people want to escape. They don't want to face the real because it's painful. It's ugly. It's hurtful. And they don't see a way out. Right. There's, there's that lack of hopefulness. Like, what am I supposed to hope in? Like yeah. the gospel message isn't alive anymore. I'm not getting fed when I go to church. You know, I'm seeing my own pastors kind of like empty and lonely. Like, like there's something incongruent there. And, and I think we no longer can, you know, deny it. So yep. I love what you're saying. I love that you're saying, hey, there's a need and no one's speaking about the pink freaking elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Like we need to have the conversation. Yeah. So I'd love for you, if you're willing, Zach, to, um, I was reading through your prologue in the book and give us a teaser, if you will. And, and I'd love to make this into like an author reading just a little bit, yeah. like, you know, three, four minutes, go right to your prologue, The Invitation. You yeah. start with a quote from St. Irenaeus, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And then you start with, I'll never forget the first day I sat down to write this book. Go ahead and read that part yeah. for us, would you? Yeah. I'll never forget the first day I sat down to write this book. I was seated at the Oxford Exchange in downtown Tampa, Florida. In the 1800s, this building began as a stable in a small town known for cigars and trade. As Tampa grew, the Oxford Exchange evolved into one of the most popular gathering places for hipsters and executives alike, housing a menagerie of eateries, trendy shops, and communal office spaces. This unique and luxurious architecture creates an invigorating vibe that cultivates community, conversation, connection, and creativity. I love the Oxford Exchange. There's life and beauty there, a deep heritage rich with story and culture. 
I remember writing that day, I was watching the sunbeams dance on the floor by a station of a man shining shoes and noticing people that moved purposefully through the building. For a moment, I saw the good, but I also saw something else that day. Something was off, something was missing. In a place filled with such success and luxury, it's an atmosphere of the good life. One would expect to see something alive in the people, an energy, a joy, flourishing. Instead, I saw a void, a sadness. There was this profound exhaustion. I saw loneliness on the faces of people who were surrounded by what seemingly could have helped them feel full and connected. I saw something broken. And yet that brokenness wasn't all that I saw that day. As I ebbed between writing and observing, thinking and noticing, I glimpsed a vision of something different, something deeper, something more real than the beautiful architecture, something more true than the weary clientele. The vision came from a place beyond the scope of my physical sight, born out of a journey towards love that has now changed everything about the way I see. The vision filled my soul with an electric anticipation of hope and compelled me to tell this story. I glimpsed a vision of shalom. Shalom is originally a religious term. The writers of the Old Testament used the word shalom to describe a life of wholeness and peace. It's when the soul finally breathes. Yes, hmm. a wonderful, rich word with ancient threads. Religion claims to offer shalom. Religion says we have the answer. It's right here. Sing these songs, read these texts, obey this God, be part of this community, and your life will change. We're experts at religion. But if those things could give us shalom, then wouldn't we have it by now? Wow. You can't argue that question. Wouldn't we have it by now, BC Nation? Like Zach is raising such a real question. Hmm. And it's a scary question. And it's especially scary, I think, to the clergy of our church, regardless of denomination. It's, it's a, a calling out. It's a saying, hey, you're not delivering the gospel promise of God's peace, God's love, God's joy. Why? Let's have the conversation. We're not here to make you wrong, but we're here to say something's missing. Let's have the conversation. So, Zach, let's get into... What is the solution? Like, like the, the two words that really hit me hard when I read that the first time was people walking around with profound exhaustion. Yeah. And I've experienced that myself. And not too long ago, I got to add, this profound exhaustion, like life is difficult, man. It's also beautiful. Right, I, and, and I'm able to see both, but I, the, the world, society reminds me of the, the brokenness more than the beauty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why so many people want to give up. They want to lose hope. Mm -hmm. So let's get into that profound exhaustion. I think all of us can really resonate with that. What's the answer? What's the solution? You say the vision is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think we, you know, the book is called Now I See, but we hear before we see, and we have to hear before we see. And I think what, what happens to us is sometimes we stop too soon. And in the church, we have stopped too soon. And so what, what's been going on since the beginning 
is that you have a created being, a creature, all of us were creatures made by and for God who loves us and made us and we are his. And his whole desire the whole time was that we would enjoy relationship with him. There was this flourishing that happens only when the creature and the creator are rightly restored to relationship. That's what we were made for. That's who we were made for. That's the story, right? Mm. But that, that relationship broken, separated, those loves disordered, all of that. We know that. We've heard that. We experience that. That's where we live. And so into that brokenness, the voice of God speaks. And I say in the book, it's echoed through the ages. Prophets and poets and artists and martyrs. That voice echoes in a million different ways. Creation itself tells that story. And it's inviting us closer and closer to the source. And what happens is the more we listen, the more we listen, you know, we, we, we kind of start out broad and we hear this voice, something haunts us. Charles Taylor gives us great language that, that our age is haunted now by that voice. And it keeps drawing us closer and closer into relationship. And many of us stop and we will enter, you know, a church and we'll say, well, this is close enough. Mm. The, the invitation though is actually much closer. And I think this is what in the book we get into John chapter nine, the man born and blind. And what he found is that Jesus called him closer and closer and closer and closer until he was face to face with Jesus. And Jesus said, do you want to see the Messiah? Do you believe? And do you want to see who it is that you were made by and for? Mm. And I think that's the invitation. He's drawing all of creation back to this very, very, very intimate place to say, I've come so that you could know me and that that's eternal life, that you would know me. And even still, we're standing there face to face blind. That's a spiritual sight. And there's an invitation that says, do you want to see? And we say, well, sure, show me, show me so that I can believe, show me so that I can have this life. And when he brings us to that place, he opens our eyes and we see Jesus. And we start to get a glimpse of this God who says, I am love. You know, God is love. Well, who is that? What does that look like? And then we're face to face with Jesus. We go, could it be? Could that be? But he's drawing us to that point. And we've got to be willing to pass through the, the religious halls and all the other false loves and all the lesser things. And we got to find who is it that's speaking. And he's the one that's always been speaking. So let me ask you this. Why are we so scared as a human people? a human race as sons and daughters of God to get that close mm. to God? Why do we stop at the lesser good mm. rather than going all the way into that intimacy with God? Now I have my own perspective on that, yeah. but why do you think we stop short of it? Why do our, our, our shepherds, right? Our preachers, why don't they take us all the way into that, relationship and invite us all the way in why are we all stopping before the finish line yeah Oof, now you're pushing a button man i love i love the question i think that at the very very obvious personal level there's just so much fear and shame in us we go no not me you know if that god exists if if he is speaking then for whatever reason uh i don't want to talk to him he probably certainly doesn't want to talk to me. So there's just layers of fear and shame that we wrestle with. Mm. That's a personal story. 
I think add to that, there's control, right? Uh, within the church, within the shepherds. If it's a risky thing to tell people, like John the Baptist's ministry stopped the minute Jesus showed up. And he was clear about it. I mean, he just pointed and he said, behold, that it's him. Mm-hmm. And my job is just simply to point you to him. He and I think the spiritual baton. Yeah, the come on. Runner. And the beautiful thing is that's, there's a freedom and there's a beautiful, it doesn't work us out of a job as a pastor to introduce people to Jesus. Not at all. But I think there's a fear in the, in the church, in what we have, what the church has become that what will be of our institutions, what will be of our organizations, what will be if we don't have some sort of control on this. And I think the invitation is for us to trust. No, 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 no. That's our job is to point to the source. And out of the source will flow community, a hunger and thirst that will activate the giftings of shepherds and teachers and apostles and evangelists. All of that flows from the source. Mm. But I think, again, back to fear, we're scared to go right to the source because whether it's shame, whether it's a desire to control, whatever it is, but it, it keeps us from experiencing the true fullness that he intended when he says, I came to give you life to the full, but it can mm. only come from me. It, oh. it can't come secondhand. I love that. So the church sometimes, BC Nation, tries to become the source and it's not, right? <laughs> so Jesus is the source. The vision is Jesus. Tell me more about that, Zach. Yeah. When I love Colossians alludes to this idea that we were made by him and for him. And so in Jesus, what's happening, you know, I'm a, I'm a triune God guy, the mystery of the Trinity. The reality is that, that Jesus is, is the point at which God welcomes us into fellowship with God. But once in that relationship, I say he's the gateway to the infinite. And so in Christ, we enter into relationship with the infinitude of God, the beautiful, masterful wholeness of God. In Colossians, it says, that's why it says, we were made by him and for him. And so this is the place where Jesus is trying to get us back to creature-creator recalibration. We talked about this before. We were made for that relationship. And that's what I talk about in Vision Up. I, I talk about it. I have kids who are in ballet. You know, everybody in my house, I think, is in a dance class. And so there's a lot of first position, second position, third position talk. For creatures, for you and I, Joseph, Zach, our spouses, our kids, the primary posture of the human creature is one of adoration. It's one of worship back to the creator. It's, it's the, the reality that we were first made to love him back. Mm. That is our primary posture. I and- love that. So let me, let, let's break. I want to deep dive into those three things because you say you break it down. I love the way you break it down. Vision up, which is look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Vision in, look like Jesus. And then vision out, look with Jesus. So let's deep dive into those three, navigate us through those three stages. What does that actually look like? in my listener's life. Like, let's get personal. Let's get real. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing about this, it's really just a trail. It's like a, it's a continual loop. And I say life to the full is this balance and flow of living up in out. And St. Augustine has talked about this, not a new idea. Everybody 
uh, in some way, shape or form, I think in theology has pointed to these orientations of up in out. And so what I've done is just said, listen, we have to start at the source. And so as created beings, our primary posture is one of adoration. It's to love God back and all of life. That's not singing songs or writing poems or prayers. That's everything. It's that our orientation is one of love back to God. So whatever, whatever, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, our primary posture is one of adoration back to God. What's or, that famous quote? My soul cannot rest until it rests in you. That's it, St. Augustine. Yeah, we're restless until we find our rest in thee. And so the first thing for listeners, for all of us, is we have to be willing to confess that. Mm. That he is creator, I am creature. I am not alone in the center. And our culture has come to accept a narrative that says we're alone in the center. And I get into this in really, just to skim the surface of this, but when Nietzsche said God is dead, and we all kind of bought this idea, he even said, if we do that, if we buy that idea, we will find ourselves sad and alone. Paraphrasing. Look at it. Look at our culture. Look at our society. There you go. It's epidemic, sadness and loneliness. All right. So that's vision up. That's looking to Jesus. Take us into the next stage. Vision in. Look like Jesus. Yeah. This is probably the one that is the most misunderstood reality in Christ. And this is the, the idea. The mystery is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are used to things that we can build or make or muscle. And the reality is what we're given in Christ, when we look to him, what he tells us is you are made to look just like me. You are my children. And so you, I was, you were made in my image. And so if God is love, we are made in his image. He says, sons and daughters, you were created to look just like me. And right now you don't because your loves are all sorts of disordered all sorts of adolescent, all sorts of infantile. But someday, little by little, as you look to me, you will begin to look more like me. And little by little, that life that I have birthed in you will reflect more and more of my image. And what we come to understand, you know, Thomas Kempis wrote The Imitation of Christ. And I love The Imitation of Christ, but I got caught up trying to imitate Christ from outside. And it wasn't until I realized, no, what's really happened is there's a miracle that's taken place. And God has put the seed of his very life in me. And my mm. job is now to nurture that seed. And as I nurture that seed, I begin to look more like him. So that vision up, that, that love that I saw as I looked to him, I realized, oh my goodness, he's put that in me. And vision in is when that vision is quite literally birthed in us. And, you know, Mary shows us this picture of, wow, he's in us. What a holy gift. The long course of our life is then just nurturing that and bringing that love to maturity, which, wow. lead, which leads us to vision out. Before you go there, so yeah. BC Nation, we are speaking with uh, author Zach Elliott. He's a pastor. He just wrote the book called Now I See. An invitation to life to the full. It's what we're all chasing. It's what we all want, but we don't have a freaking idea how to find it. He's sharing how to do it. He's sharing his own walk, his own spiritual journey. He's sharing the, the bringing the gospel to life. The promise of the gospel is real. 
We've, we've kind of uh, bastardized it, right? As a church, as a people. And that's what we do. And, and he's saying, listen, it starts with three things. Vision up, look, like, look to Jesus. We're made for adoration. We're made to look up. We're not God. He is. And then vision in, look like Jesus, invite him in, surrender your ego, surrender your life, surrender control so that Jesus takes over all that white space within you because you're not in the way anymore with your false ego. And once he's within you, you start to imitate him, right? It's a natural progression because it's actually him that lives within you, as St. Paul says, not you. Mm -hmm. That's what that looks like. And then uh, Zach is going to take us right into vision out, but you can find um, him at ZachJElliot.com. That's ZachJElliot.com. His book is available uh, coming out July 21st. You could get it in all the major uh, media outlets. Um, so Zach, take us to that third stage of vision out. Look with Jesus. What does that mean? Tell us more about that. Yeah. Well, it really is, it flows from vision in. And so we can't ever separate these. Some of us try to look too quickly. We say, well, I want to see like Jesus sees. I want to look with his eyes. Mm. The caution that I make is I go, well, yes, but that only comes from a place of worship. And that place of worship transforms us. And as that place of worship transforms us, what happens, what's really happening is love that has been birthed in us matures. And so vision out is looking with the eyes of mature love. So how does the, pro, you know, that you imagine the prodigal father. Mature, mature love sees different. Adolescent love, my, my adolescent love eyes see all sorts of things. Mature love sees differently. Can I see if I got this right, just to clarify? So in the prodigal son story that you just brought up, immature love would be the way that the older brother looks at the prodigal son returning and says, that piece of crap, how could he do this? All he sees is the brokenness in his brother. Yep. But the prodigal father is the mature love, and what he sees is the beauty in his son, how much he loves his son, and he's able to look through the brokenness. He's not unaware of it. It's still there, but he's able to look through it and to see the sun. Yeah. Did That's I get that right? You got, you nailed it, man. You absolutely nailed it. Vision out is seeing with the eyes of mature love mm. and mature love sees, it sees the good. It sees the broken and it sees the future. All three of those co-mingled. And so you imagine that prodigal father, he sees his son. And first thing he says is, that's my kid. Mm. And he doesn't see the brokenness comes late. He, he's not unaware of it, as you said. But mature love always sees the good first, always. But it's not unaware of the broken. And it can handle it. It's not scared of it. It's not repulsed by it. It's not afraid of it. And mature love never stops in that brokenness. It always sees wholeness. It always sees shalom. It always sees things set right. And so what we're trying to do, not even trying, what we're dying to is ourself in vision in. And as we do that, and we invite God to allow us to see with the eyes of mature love, all of a sudden we start to go, man, now in my spouse, I see the good. Mm. I understand that there's brokenness. And I'm also right there recognizing that there's a future, that there's a wholeness, that her story is still being written. So is mine. So is my neighbor's. So is my enemy. And when we can look at our enemy and we can start with the good and say the same God that made me made them. 
and they're part of a very good creation. That's a, that's a disruptive kind of vision. And that's what this mature love invites us to. And I'll tell you, it's the most beautiful but disruptive thing to begin to live where we see with mature love. Because adolescent love, as you said, we like to categorize things. We like to separate things. We like to keep it peace. You know, we, we like to keep it separated, to, to refer back to some old lyrics. But we like to do that. But mature love won't have it. Mature love says, no, the good, the broken, and the future. They're always there, all three commingled. Now, Zach, I really like what you wrote in uh, one of your chapters here about this, right? Mature love. And, and you really position it in such a way that you said, hey, we have to look within or at our own self. And I'm just going to read a little one short paragraph. You wrote, now I see that I am broken and I am unafraid to acknowledge it. I am no longer ashamed of it, no longer held hostage to it, no longer trying to create some theology to explain it or escape it. Once we truly see our brokenness, we can choose to endure suffering with courage and hope. Love continues to mature as we suffer in our own stories and come alongside suffering in the stories of those around us. So I think you just really took that somewhere when you spoke about your spouse, right? And, and how we're able to see her story is not complete yet and neither is ours. But first we have to acknowledge our own brokenness, realize that we need to surrender it to God, that brokenness, so that he can fill us up with who he is so that his love, his mature love starts to show up in the world through us and we're able to look out with him right through the mature love, the eyes of mature love, the eyes of Jesus. So take this home. We're, we're running out of time because this is, dude, this is like a really powerful message. It's disruptive. I agree with you. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of what God has got you up to in the world. And this message needs to be heard and this conversation needs to be had. So wrap this all up in a, in a bow about now I see. Yeah. It's an invitation. The book literally is an invitation. This is this is not a collection of things that I've learned that then I hand to your reader or your listener and they go, okay, I'm going to learn it from Zach. Nope. This is simply an invitation. And the promise is this. Jesus said, I came that you might have life to the full, but it is found and flows from the source. And so now I see is it's, a, it's an invitation to say, this is what it looks like to just look to him, to look with him, to look like him. This is the way that this life flows from up to in to out. And that as we begin to walk that road, and that's a journey, it's a, it's a continual loop. The more we look to him, the more we look like him. The more we look like him, the more we look with him. And when we get to that place where we're looking out with mature love, man, there's no place else to look but back up because we will be grateful for what is good. We will be absolutely brokenhearted for what is broken. And we will see those places where we want the future to come. And the only place we can go is to look up and go, your kingdom come, your will be done right there. That's it. I see where it's possible. And so it, it's a loop. And what I want to invite people to is this is life to the full. It's relational, not circumstantial. You're not going to find it at the Oxford Exchange. You're not going to find it in your job. You're not going to find it in Tampa, Florida, or from Oregon. The beauty of Oregon to the beaches of Florida to the Oxford, to the highest places, to the most remote, you're not, you're not gonna find it in place. You're gonna find it in person. 
You're going to find it in the person of Christ and in his, in relationship with him, he will draw you into relationship outwardly and you will sit back and you will, your soul will breathe that ah moment of shalom where you will say, this is, this is perfect peace. Rightly mm. related upwardly, rightly oriented inwardly and rightly loving outwardly. BC Nation, I know that you get this. We get it. We get it in our heads, but we don't have it. We don't have it in our hearts. So Zach is inviting us to have it in our hearts, to truly experience God in your life. And I say experience because experience is not a head thing. It's not an academic learning. It's a heart thing. It's a living it. Like, what would it look like for you to look up to Jesus, then to surrender your life, your ego, your control, all of it, your plans, your schemes, everything, and invite him into that white space in your heart and your soul, and then start to look like Jesus and look like the Father and look like the Holy Spirit. And then to look with Jesus out into the world to see all the brokenness, to acknowledge there's brokenness, there's suffering, it's everywhere, but then to see the beauty and the good of God's creation and that it's worth redeeming. That's why he came. That's how God sees you. You are worth redeeming. No matter how you feel, you are worth redeeming. That's what's so. So I invite you, go to ZachJElliott.com. That's ZachJElliott.com. His book comes out on July 21st, 2019. Go get a copy of this book. I am going to. I'm getting married in 10 days, I was telling Zach. And I asked him for a copy because I'm, I'm doing 10 days on the beach, you know, and, and I want to read this book. I want to dig deeper because my heart is restless. My heart is searching. I want deeper relationship with God. And I know this is inspiring you, BC Nation. So Zach's in, inviting you in deeper. Go get his book. It's called Now I See an Invitation to Life to the Full. And Zach, you have a special gift to offer for my listeners, right, on uh, Broken Catholic here. What's your offer? Yeah, I know it's going to be a couple of days before the book comes out. And if, you, if the conversation has lit you up and you want to start to, to dive in already and do some reading ahead of when the book comes out in just a few days, go to my website, ZachJElliott.com. And there's a spot at the top. Just click on it where it invites you to get the first couple chapters. And what I'm going to do is I'll send, you, I'll send your listeners the prologue and then one of our, our the chapters on vision out just so that people can sink their teeth into it and start to get into the conversation so that when it comes out on the 21st, they can pick up and run from there. So if they go to my website, give me their email address. I'll send them that first prologue. They can get to that. And then on the 21st, please just grab the book. And my prayer is this, that people would see it as an invitation, not only for us, but we hope to inspire a fresh conversation about the gospel. And so you might know two, three, four people in your church, in your community, in your family. And we've heard it as Joseph, as you said, and we get it at a head level, but my prayer is drop one of these on the table and just invite people to take a fresh look. And I think when we all walk away and go, Oh, now I see that's what we're hoping for. BC nation. I like you to leverage uh, the trust that I have in this man, Zach Elliott. He's a good man. He's a godly man. He's searching and he gets that he's not the source of anything. He's inviting you and I to the source. Uh, take a deeper look with Jesus. 
take a look at the, the life that the gospel promises. It's there. I promise you it's there. I've had glimpses of it in my life. I'm searching. I'm going deeper myself. Zach has had glimpses, and he's inviting you into that. So go to ZachJElliott.com. Go get you the copy of the book now. Get that free gift. That's an awesome offer just to my listeners. Zach, thank you for that. Thank you for what you're up to in the world, for saying yes to the invitation that Jesus has for your life. This is your ministry, my friend. So thank you for saying yes to that. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic today. And I wish you God's love, God's peace, and God's joy in your life. In other words, I wish you shalom. Thank you. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.